Today's topic, rebellion, living in a sun-dried land. In other words, living in a desert. And that's what, um, that's what we find in the verse that we're going to look at later. It talks about a person that is rebellious, lives in a sun-dried land, in a parched land, in a desert. Let's look at the definition for rebellion and see what that would say to us. Uh, rebellion, according to the dictionary, tells us, that it is an act, and I'll read it out loud here before it shows up on the screen. It an act of violent or open resistance to an established government or ruler. There you have it. It is also the action or process of resisting authority, resisting control, or convention. So here we go. We have the definition there. Um, not a biblical definition yet. This is just a dictionary definition of what uh, rebellion is. An act of violent or open resistance to a established form of government or ruler. The action or process of resisting authority, control, or convention. Now some of these can be spilled over into the spiritual realm. But this is particularly dealing with um, social things and also on the second part, the process of resisting authority and control and convention is not necessarily against any type of political figure or government. It could be to anything. So rebellion is what we see on TV nowadays when people are protesting around the world against the government, against uh, their governor or their king or their president. And it also could be something else that is not so quite obvious. And we might think that we are not that kind of rebellious because we're not like the other people who are rebelling around the world. So let's see. Uh, rebellion is oppress. I mean, is is uh, being against or resisting something. And when you resist something, when there is resistance, there is what? There's a like a tension that takes place. When you resist, you're holding on to something or you're pulling something or you're not letting go, or you're not letting the other person um, have their place, have their uh, opinion. You know, when there is uh, that resistance in a home where one person is pulling this way and the other person does not allow the other person to win, so they're going to pull the other way. And so there is tension, there is resistance that is called rebellion. And that can happen in the home, that could happen in the workplace, that could happen in the schoolyard, that could happen in church. It happens in different places. So the, the, the rebellion brings resistance, and when there's resistance, there is really no peace. There cannot, be resi there cannot be peace when there is that type of tension, when there's that resistance. Because when people sometimes are rebelling... If you go and look, you know, around on the TV, people are rebelling because they kind of want peace. But the kind of peace that we really need to find is not found in rebellion. It is found in submission, but submission to God. That is the difference. And that's the second point I want to bring there. Submission brings peace and it brings fulfillment in relationships. When we submit, we have peace. Now, most people don't like to submit because submission is a sign of weakness, according to us. Well, if I give in, then that means that I lost. If I give in, that means that 
uh, the other person is going to laugh at me and say, see, I know better than you, or I did this better than you, or I told you you ought to do it this way. And so we kind of, our pride puts on the brakes when somebody says, do something, or can you please? And you say, no, I'm not going to do that. But when we are living in a lifestyle of submission, and a good submission, we are yielding our personal rights. Because the truth is that Satan has told us this lie, and many of us have believed it. And that is that we have been created to be independent. We have the right to be independent of authority. But that is a lie because when we were created by God, the Bible says that we were created for Him, by Him, and for Him. Therefore, we are not independent. We are totally dependent on God. And when we don't like that relationship of God dependency, then we are in a state of rebellion when we don't want to live and submit under the authority of God. We were built to be dependent. We were not built to be independent. And the desire to be independent is what we would call living in a state of rebellion. And of course, we cannot live in a state of rebellion because God cannot use us in that state. God cannot reach us when we are rebellious. And so God designed authority to be put into practice in the in, in the spiritual realm, we submit to God. In the family realm, children submit to their parents. In the marriage, husbands submit to your wives. Is that what it says? Yes, it does. We just don't read it that way. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. And it says to the wives, wives, submit to your husbands. And the ladies do not like that verse because I'm not submitting to that man. No way. You don't know what he does. But the truth is that we both have to submit, husband and wife. And we both have to love, of course. You cannot have a relationship without love, and you cannot have a relationship without submission. But if everybody is seeking their own way and their own rights, what do you have? Resistance. And then what do you have? No peace. So there has to be submission. Our responsibility is to submit with a right attitude. Unless, of course, the authority violates the principles of God's word. But in the spiritual realm, God is the main authority, and he would never go against his own word. And so, our responsibility is to submit. Our responsibility is to submit to God and to those that he puts above us in places of authority. So that we can experience peace, joy, fulfillment. Now, I know that probably some of you are thinking that... um, you know, submitting uh, may seem like you're not being assertive enough. You're not assertive of, your, of who you are, and so you're not standing up for yourself. And that's not the same thing. Submitting me is submitting to God, submitting to others, is recognizing your position and recognizing the position of God and those that God has put above us. Your parents are above us. Amen? unless what they ask us to do is against God's will, against God's word. Therefore, we ought to honor our father and our mother so that our days on this earth are long. The first 
commandment with a promise. We ought to submit to our teachers in school unless what they teach us is pure heresy. We ought to submit to one another as brothers and sisters unless what they're asking us to do is against God's word. As we learn to submit to God, we will learn to submit to one another. So if you're having a problem of submitting to somebody else in some area of your life, how is your submission to God? So the other point I want to make is that a rebellious attitude will lead to negative consequences. And the consequence is that you resent and you reject correction. Someone gives you an order, a command, a request, and it kind of like triggers something inside of you and it's like, how dare they ask me to do that? I'm not going to do that. Why? Why do we act that way? You might say, well, I don't act that way. Well, maybe you don't say it. But maybe in some way, when somebody says, can you please do something or can you help me? You don't say anything at all and you just don't do it. That's kind of like a rebellion. You know the story in the Bible where Jesus says that the father asked the son, can you go and do this? And he says, no, I'm not going to go do that. But at the end, he actually did it. And the one who said he was going to do it didn't do it. So who was the one that actually did the will of the father? Well, the one who actually did it, even though he said something else. And so our words don't actually say exactly whether we're submitting or not. It's our actions. And so, but it's part of our sinful nature to be a, a naturally rebellious, to submit we want our personal rights. We want what we deserve. We want what we, our right is to have. But in a sense, we were taught, maybe by our parents or by others that surrounded us, not to trust anybody. Has anybody ever told you, don't trust anybody? Right? That is a bad advice. Don't trust anybody. Now, I'm not saying go trust everybody either. But you have to be able to be open. Don't trust anybody or don't trust anything anybody says. And so we're always skeptical. And so we're always suspicious about someone else's comment. They actually said something nice, but you're saying, did they mean something else? And so you're suspicious. And so you don't believe anybody or you're always reacting to what anybody says, to commands, to orders, to decisions. But we were born with this problem. And then you, on top of the fact that we were born this way, you add the element of what we brought up in our, in our upbringing from our parents and from others around us. And so that being rebellious toward each other, then you put those two together and we have a recipe for a lot of rebellion. We were born with that. But when you were born again, we were supposed to be born into a spiritual nature and not into a carnal one. The carnal nature or the sinful nature is to be a rebellious, to be rebellious. The spiritual nature is to teach us, is to mold us and to change us from rebellion to submission to God. And so, can we call ourselves born again if we still exemplify the same kind of rebellion we had many, many years ago. Now, you may come to church. You're here today. You may read the Bible. You may pray and say that you are not rebellious, but rebellion isn't always something like shouting or slamming doors or teenagers defying their parents 
or not even teenagers anymore, just little kids, or getting into arguments, etc., etc., it can still be a different kind of rebellion. Rebellion at a distance. Rebellion with our silence. And so there's different... Rebellion takes on many different forms. So let me give you some examples of rebellion in the Bible. Uh, For example, this is not in the Bible. Well, yeah, if you go back one before. Yeah, that's us if we're totally in rebellion against God. That means me to the left and God to the right. That is total resistance. God is trying to bring us to the other way, and we just say no. We put on the brakes. We put our heels into the dirt, and nothing will make me change the way I think is the best way to live my life. The greatest rebellion in the Bible, actually, is Satan. He created the first rebellion in heaven when he decided that he thought, when he decided that his government is a lot better than what God's government was like. He figured that if he was in charge, he would do things a lot better. Things would be a lot better. And he was actually a good politician because he convinced one-third of the angels, even though he was a big, fat liar, which most are doing, right? So... He is the greatest rebel in the history. And we have, are born with that same nature to be against God. But let's look at some other forms of rebellion, if we could call it other forms, that we see in the Bible. Look at Jeroboam in the Bible. Jeroboam, um, he was the son of Solomon. He was the, uh, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel after Solomon was the last king to have Israel united. But after Solomon, the kingdom was split. Two tribes to the south, Judah and Benjamin to the south. And then there was a king there, one of the sons of Solomon. And then the other son of Solomon said, well, let's go to the north. And he established his capital city in Samaria. The capital in the southern kingdom was Jerusalem. And so that's why you have northern and southern kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah. If you see that in the books of Kings and Chronicles, that is, used to be one nation altogether with one king. But things changed, and they were going to build a temple in Samaria. Because Jeroboam said, well, if I let my people go to Jerusalem to worship every time there is a feast then sooner or later, they're going to forget about me and say, why don't we just join hands once again? And his way of fixing that, let's build a temple in Samaria. God will be pleased. It's still a temple. But that looked like, it might look like a good thing. I'm not being rebellious. And so you have on the red dotted line above, it seems like he's doing God's will, but nevertheless, it's not a straight line towards God because if you keep that line going, it will eventually go above God and it will not lead to God. And so that is kind of like a silent or a different kind of rebellion. He was doing something spiritual, which was building a temple, but it wasn't what God wanted him to do. And so there is a kind of rebellion in what Jeroboam did. What about the other example of Peter and Jesus? Now, Jesus told Peter, I'm going to go die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be handed over and I'm going to die. And Peter said what I bet all of you would have said. 
All of us would have said, Jesus, you can't do that. Why would you do that? Why are you going to let them kill you? You don't have to do that. Go hide. Go into uh, exile for a couple of years, and then you'll be fine. Seems like a reasonable thing to tell Jesus. But Jesus told him something that I bet just shocked Peter. And Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. Now, Peter was in rebellion against God's plan, but Peter didn't know it. It looked like what Peter was telling God, which is the red dotted line, was uh, telling Jesus was good. I'm not being rebellious. I don't want you to die. But when he realized that what he was saying was an open opposition to God's plan, then he realized that he was, I don't know if he realized at that moment, that he was in rebellion. It was against God. Now, um, he was totally against God at that moment, even though it seemed like something good. So the difference is that Peter didn't know it, but now that Peter does know it, he has to conform to God's plan. Now, did, did Peter get it at that moment? I don't think so, because he cut off Malchus's ear back in the Garden of Gethsemane, trying to stop the people from taking Jesus to where he said he had to go. So he was still kind of rebellious in that sense. He did not submit still to God's plan. It seemed he was a follower of Jesus Christ. He lived with Jesus Christ for three and a half years, yet he was in rebellion. Therefore, we have to be careful that we think that, well, I'm not being in rebellion because I've been serving Christ for a long time. I, I hang with him every day. I'm always with him. But yeah, we have to be careful that what we think is spiritual, that we, we're giving good advice, we're thinking that what we're doing is the right thing, but what we need from God is when he tells us, you know what, you're not following me in this area of your life, you're really following the devil. And then we say, oh, come on, you're being too mean, and we rebel against that and say, you know what, I'm not coming back to church, forget it. But the admonition from Jesus was not for Peter to leave his side, it was for him to come into conformity of God's will. And our human nature is, well, Jesus, why are you telling me that I'm trying to do something good for you? And you don't, re- you don't receive, you don't accept what I'm trying to do for you. And we get upset and we leave. But the reason Jesus gave the admonition was so that we wouldn't leave, but so that we could learn and we can be molded. And realize that not everything that we think is good or what we think is right is not always right. Unless the word of God tells us that it is correct. So Peter and Jesus, that example there. We have the example of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the ultimate uh, example, one of the ultimate examples of submission. Jesus is praying for God's comfort. Hopefully a way out of this dilemma. I know I have to die, but I'm going to pray, Father, is there any other way? No, there isn't. But not my will be done, but yours. See, Jesus is asking Is there any other way? Is he being rebellious? I don't think so. He was not. He's Jesus. He never sinned. So obviously he was not in rebellion. He was asking God. He wasn't just saying, I think there's another way and I'm going to take it. He went to God and it was a special time to pray because he didn't want to make a decision without seeking God's will first. He did not want to run into something without knowing. So he wasn't rebellious because automatically when there was a problem, he would go to God in prayer. Is there any other way? It seemed like a spiritual thing. It was a spiritual thing. He was asking. But that had he taken any other way, it would have led to rebellion on the part of Jesus. And we know that Jesus did not 
rebel. Jesus did not fall to that temptation. He came out victorious, and thank God that he did, because had he taken another way, there would not have been any way of salvation for us. Jesus submitted to his Father, even though it didn't feel good, even though he knew that it would be painful. But submission brought peace to Jesus. After the third, third time that he prayed, he came back and he said, okay, that's it. They're coming to take me now. And he was at peace with that. He had submitted to the will of God, even though hours before he was pleading with God, is there another way? But he submitted to God. There's a story of Esther. Esther was called to stand up to, in such a time as this. She could have justified her lack of involvement by saying that the king would kill her if she came uninvited. But she submitted to God and felt the calling of God, and her uncle even told her, how do we know? You never know that. Maybe you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. The only reason for your existence, well, not the only reason, but probably the greatest moment in your own life is right now. What are you going to do with it? Will you just step back and say, well, it's not my problem? Or will you submit? And then she submitted. And she said, if I die, if I perish, I perish. She did not perish. She did not perish. She trusted in God and saved all her, all her family and her, and her people. So what about you and me? Do we justify our lack of commitment to God by saying that we are not good enough? Not capable enough, not smart enough, not spiritual enough. God calls us always to submit to him and to do his will in whatever situation we may find ourselves. I could be rebellious every Sabbath when I get up here to preach and I don't say what I feel God is telling me I have to say. And I have done that. I'm like, God, no, I, I don't think that's a good thing to say. And sometimes I wonder if it's me or is it God. And so there's a battle. And so... It could be that we submitting. God is calling us to submit to him. When you feel God telling you to share what he has done for you with another person, and we rationalize it away. Nah, that person doesn't want to hear anything about me or about God. That is a moment that we need to submit. And so, and if we don't submit, the problem with that is that when we make decisions, they will be based on our reaction to what we have been opposed to. You know, we make decisions based on our reaction to having a, a, a confrontation or rebellion. And, you're like, and the decisions that you make in life from that point on will lead you in a path of destruction. Because when we are in rebellion, we make decisions. It's like, if you're rebellious against your parents and you say, you know what? I'm going to marry that person, anybody. I don't care what you say. And so you're in rebellion against your parents. And then you make decisions based on that rebellion. I'm going to show them. I'm going to marry whoever I want. I really don't love this person, but I'd rather be with him than in my house. And so those decisions that are made can lead, you know, are based on rebellion, are based on a tension or a problem that had not been dealt with before. And when you make big decisions based on your rebellion, then you're gonna we're going to pay for those consequences. We're going to have those consequences later on in life until we deal with the rebellion. Uh, okay, let me move on. Rebellion gives ground to the enemy. Saul, the king Saul, 1 Samuel 15, 23, 
It tells us, for rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has rejected you as king. Saul rejected God. He took things into his own hands. He decided to sacrifice lambs when he was not the priest. He didn't listen to the prophet Samuel when he said you had to wipe out everybody. And then he justified it by saying, well, I'm going to sacrifice these lambs to God. He was in rebellion against God. And then that rebellion led him to make other decisions. For example, he went to, uh, to uh, what do you call those things? To a seer, to a witch. There you go, the word. Uh, to the witch who he decided that he wanted to find out from Samuel, who was already dead, what to do. So how did he get to that point? Why didn't he go to God? He was in rebellion against God. He didn't feel comfortable approaching God because he knew that he was not doing God's will. He was against God. He was resisting God. And so he went to another person to seek counsel from a witch, which is totally the opposite direction. And then Samuel shows up, and we all know that really was not Samuel, but that was the devil showing up as Samuel. And so Saul's rebellion led him to give ground to the enemy. And we need to be careful that when we, if we are in rebellion, we are opening the doors for the enemy of our souls to come in and plant his flag, to put his flag in our hearts and take over. And so... Um, that led him away and gave ground to the enemy. Rebellion also leads to unmet needs. Why? Because only God can meet our needs. And if a, a rebellious person thinks, well, I can do it my way, I can figure it out my way, I don't need anybody else, I don't need to listen to anybody else, your needs will never be met because the only person that can meet our needs is not myself. If I can meet my own needs, I don't need God. But obviously we do need God, so I cannot meet my own needs. Therefore, we need God to meet our needs. Psalm 68, 6. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious, they live in a sun-scorched land. You want to live in the desert all by yourself with no water, dry, miserable, with no peace, no life, that is the life of a rebellious person. Our needs are unrealistic when we don't submit to God. And so, closing up here pretty soon. And the Bible even says that God exerts pressure to break the rebellion. Now, this one is kind of interesting. If you don't obey the Lord, if you rebel against His commands, His hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. So God is saying here, or the prophet is saying, uh, God is speaking through him. If you rebel against God, God will exert, uh, His hand will be against you. Now the question is, that means that going to bring problems in your life? Is going to bring calamity in your life? Well, the, the, the last part says, as it was against your fathers. What fathers? The ones that, were in, that came before. The ones that were in the desert. The ones that rebelled against God and did not want to take the promised land. They had to stay in the desert for 40 more years. They were, that, that was the uh, consequences of their rebellion. And they had brought that upon themselves. And so when we rebel against God, we would not be living in the will of God. We will not be enjoying the blessings of God. We are cutting off God's blessings for us. 
And so that's why we want to be in submission to God. But God also establishes boundaries to protect us. And we have the commandments. But we also know that the commandments is um, a rule or a, a reflection, better, a reflection of God's love. God wants to maintain a relationship with us. God wants to maintain a relationship as a father and a son, as a, as a daughter and a mother and as a family. And there are certain rules. But those rules are not the end in and of itself. The rules are there to just show us. But the real reason is so that we can keep a relationship alive with God. They're there to, 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 to kind of guide us. To, to make sure that we don't go too far. But when our relationship with God is in submission, then we will live in peace. Those boundaries are there. The boundary of God's love. We know that it's better to live in the, in, in the boundary of God's love. We know that it's better to live, you know, corralled in His love. And so we know that submission is not oppression, but that submission is actually peace. Life becomes chaotic when we don't live according to his commands. It's like a sport with no rules. If everybody did what they wanted to do in a game, then it wouldn't be fun. And it wouldn't even be a sport at all. And so, God establishes those boundaries to protect us and to keep the relationship alive. So, in closing, we think of a, when we think of rebellion, usually we think of a teenage man, teenage boy or teenage girl who, who wants to get their way. The, the stage when a child becomes an, or is becoming more independent, and they think that, oh, I'm becoming independent. I have my own mind now. And uh, it was like they never had their own mind before. But now they have their own mind, and they can think for themselves, and they can make decisions where they question and they challenge authority, the authority of their parents. And we call this the stage of rebellion. And that's just the stage in life. But in a spiritual sense, well, we think that the, the older that that young person gets, the less rebellious they get. You know, we usually think that way. In the spiritual sense, also, we could say that the more, the, the more spiritually immature a person, the more likely that person is to rebel. Just like the uh, emotionally immature person is more open to rebellion so is the immature Christian more open to rebellion. But as we grow spiritually, we ought to become less and less rebellious. The more we understand God's love, the more we know that what God wants for us is really to protect us and not to harm us. And what God wants to give us is peace and not oppression. He wants to give us freedom, not chains. He wants to give us life not just misery, when we begin to know God more and more, our rebellion diminishes at the same level, more and more. Even though in our state of sinfulness, we are always in a state of rebellion to some degree in different areas of our lives where we have not submitted to God. And so, what would it be then? Is somebody supposedly is spiritually mature, but yet is always in rebellion. Are they really spiritually mature? 
I don't have the answer for that. I just pose the question. Spiritually, where are we? You know, uh, people are rebelling. We've heard this in the news in the Middle East and all these other places. They're rebelling against a government. They're rebelling against a king or a president or their situation. They're seeking something better for themselves. At least that's what is said. And there's a desire for a different life. There's a desire for something different. And you ask yourself, well, was, was it different four years ago? Wasn't it different? What was different last year? It was the same person in power. It was the same person that's been there for years. What changed? What changed? People knew that they didn't want to live that way probably years ago, but they didn't do anything about it. Yet they did. They went along with it. And so people began to see their situation and became more and more dissatisfied until they take a stand and do something about it. Many people applaud this and say, ah, finally they did something. They stood up for themselves. They were emboldened by the ones that came before them, were able to topple another leader. What about us? When do we realize that Satan is not just? When do we realize that his regime is oppressive? And yet we live under that regime for so long, and we know that this is not the best lifestyle, but all of a sudden we realize, and that is the Holy Spirit making it clear to us, showing us, finally being able to break through to us, and showing us that this life is not the best life. So, the only good rebellion is to rebel against Satan, to rebel against his government, to rebel against his authority, to rebel against all that stands for him. That is the best rebellion that could ever exist. Jesus rebelled against this. And people didn't like Jesus much because he was changing everything and doing things differently. And it seemed like he was being rebellious and he did not submit. But he could not submit to the evil agencies of the devil. But if we think that everything is okay, then we won't change. A rebellious person thinks that they are always right. And so you have on your hands that sheet that I gave you, that it has a list of things that you might find yourself rebellious to. Um, different, ver- different things, you know, job, your workplace, to government officials, to police, to a spouse, to... To, 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 to God, to, to spiritual leaders, to any type of thing. And the idea is for you to check it off and say, I'm, yeah, I have a problem with this one, I have a problem with this one, I have a problem with this one, and I have a big problem with this one, or not so much. But either way, that's just for you. You don't have to stand up and say what you have a rebellious attitude towards. And there is a prayer there that you can use. It's not a formula that's going to give you the freedom, but it's a prayer to help you if you have a hard time finding a way to pray and you asking God to lead you. Um, I think this is the same prayer that's on your sheet of paper. I hope so. Lord, I ask you to reveal to me each area of rebellion that I have, that I have demonstrated toward those in authority over me. And I think you have a blank line on that sheet where it says rebellion in what area? And you put there according to what you checked off or something else that was not on the list. I am willing to acknowledge 
the rebellious attitudes that I have demonstrated toward you and others or whatever else that area is. I desire to be free to respond with an open heart and a godly Christ-like attitude toward each person or authority you have placed over me. Forgive my rebellious attitude and cleanse my heart. Please give me the proper response from a pure heart toward those people to whom I am to submit or to submit to you also. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if this is something that you would like to pursue and follow and seek, then I invite you to make this a reality in your life and take a, let God take a deep down look inside your soul and, and uh, let him bring up those things that we need to give to him to confess and to give up and to give it to him. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, the, um, for showing us what submission, the blessing of submission, blessed submission, holy delight. But submission is so contrary to our nature. We only submit to our own desires and to our own des- uh, wants, to our own needs. We have been learning how to submit to you since the day we gave our heart to you. Some of us struggle more than others in submitting. We have brought, not only in our sinful nature, but in our upbringing, a rebellious attitude toward authority, toward uh, father figures, mother figures, what other figures there may be. But God, if we continue to live in this attitude, Your word has told us that it will be like living in a sun-scorched land. It will be dry. We will have a dry life. We want to live a life where it is lush, it is green, where there is life, where there is plenty, where we can hear the birds singing and and the other nature be able to sing of your glories. So help us, God, to this end, to this need that we have to submit to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Also, Father, asking that as we now will be collecting these uh, offerings that we bring to you, that you will bless them and that we too can submit to you in this area of our lives. Because we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.